Another big goal of mine for 2024 is to up my shoe game. So I love fashion. You guys know that, but shoes are my downfall. I think I own like four or five pairs of shoes, which is absolutely ridiculous. I had been harboring the same raggedy old sneakers for far too long. I finally scrapped them and I got some Allbirds. So if you haven't heard of Allbirds, it's incredible, incredible footwear and it's comfortable, it's versatile, it's aesthetic. And lucky for you, I actually have a unique link in the show notes where you can get a free pair of socks with any shoe or apparel purchase. So all you have to do is go to the show notes. There's a unique link there for you. And the promo is already embedded. So all you have to do is simply add a pair of socks to the cart and the price will be removed at checkout. So click my link for a free pair of socks with your purchase of shoes or apparel. Offer will automatically be applied at checkout if socks are added to your cart. A deal exclusive to my martinis and bikinis listeners. So head to the show notes and redeem your free pair of socks, your shoes, your apparel, whatever you may need. And yeah, hope you guys enjoy. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Martinis and Bikinis. I am your hostess, Veronica Julia, and today we have truly one of my favorite recordings I've ever done for this show. I absolutely love a deep life convo and getting into the real and raw of things, which is why I thought who better to bring on than my friend Ale Lubeski. So me and Ale literally met before this episode, I want to say like a month before. It sounds so crazy saying that because we got so close so fast, guys. And within the first two times of meeting each other, we probably told each other everything that has like ever happened to us. And I am just so incredibly grateful for those instant connections and friendships and She's so funny. I was texting her the other day and she was like, you know, we're lifers, right? Like, so cute. Ale is truly a healer, though. I was talking to her at the well the other day in New York, which is like a wellness social club. I got a 30-minute foot rub, which low-key was the best thing I've ever invested in. And then me and Ale sat and talked and had tea for like two hours. And she said, you know, Veronica, I think I was diagnosed with so many health issues in my life because I was meant to help people heal. And... I truly believe that, and she is sharing her knowledge on the show today. So Ale is not only a content creator, she is a certified integrative health coach, and she helps people heal through food as medicine, which is why I am so incredibly grateful to have her on and share her very vulnerable, very real, and honest journey with her relationship with her health, with food, and how you can truly bounce back from anything. So without further ado... Let's give a warm, warm welcome to Ale Lubeski to Martinis and Bikinis. Hello, hello, and welcome to Martinis and Bikinis, the podcast for everything under the sun. I am your hostess, Veronica Trulia, and I am here to help you navigate your 20s through all things lifestyle, beauty, and fashion. So if you're ready, let's dive into today's episode. You have to look me in the eyes for this one. Oh, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about like the benefits of bone broth because I feel like I just drink it because I feel like it makes me feel good. Yeah. And like Springbone Kitchen here in New York, I'll always order that. And it's just so yummy. Springbone's my, the, the reason I'm surviving in New York City, to say the least. There are so many benefits of bone broth. And to me, they are much more than just the physical benefits. Bone broth is like a total ritual for me. I've been like 
honestly drinking it since I was a little girl. My mom used to like buy the frozen pack, of, like the frozen bone broth to keep in the fridge. And it was like, I would never want it whenever I got sick and it's turned into a comfort beverage, but it's so mineral rich, so many amino acids. There's protein, collagen, gelatin. It's amazing for our hair, our skin. And it actually also helps to seal the tight junctions of our gut lining. So it's oh, great cool. for leaky gut. And I've had my slew of gut issues. So bone broth has just kind of been this like really tangible, like easy ritual that yeah. I've been able to. Like, I feel yeah. like people usually consume it while it's warm. Yeah. Today it's cold. Today it's cold, but it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it, I've never had a cold bone broth before. It's interesting. We're we're just going to enjoy <laughs> it today. I hope that doesn't just like completely throw out of the window all the no, benefits. No, not at all. Whenever I'm sick, it just like feels so good to have like a brothy so soup or something like that. But I hear a lot of people consume it on an empty stomach. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend that? I mean, I maybe like bone broth is bone broth. I right. think the idea of that is just so everything is super absorbable and it's very calming on the stomach. But I drink it whenever, wherever. It's just bone broth. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on, by the way. Thank you for having me. And it's so funny because we met a few months ago. Yeah. And we met through a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. You came to the podcast one year anniversary party, SLTinis. SLTinis. <laughs> and Cami, our mutual friend, is actually on the podcast. She was on a few weeks ago, and it was such a great episode. And she like sent me your Instagram before you were coming to the event. And I was just having a field day looking at all of your content because <laughs> you have some very valuable content. Well, and you. I am such a foodie, and I love the health and wellness space. So your page is just my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. And I like love everything that you do. So I'm just really excited to have you on today, LA. But if you want to just share some things about yourself so you can just intro yourself to the community, to the audience, maybe where you're from, mm -hmm. things people don't know about you, your story, how you got to where you are today. Oh love my to God. hear it. I, I love a good story. My name is Ale. I actually moved to New York one year ago. Today, Well, one year ago today is the day that I flew with my mom to apartment hunt. And the first apartment I saw ended up being my apartment. So I I like to say I'm, it, it's like a crazy, crazy little synchronicity that Wait, I'm here today. Up. One year ago today. And the reason We're I celebrating know that, today. the reason I know that is because I always say like, if my house was burning down and I could only pick one prized possession, I would choose my five-year journal, which is that I have to send it to you if I haven't already. But You've told me about it. Yeah. And I'm really excited for it. It's so good. It's this little like five to six lines a day every single day for five years. And when you finish a year, you start writing the next year like underneath the little intro from the next year. And I'm on my third year. So the only reason I know I moved like a year ago is because last night when I was writing about my some takeaways from my day yesterday. I was like, I can't believe I'm getting on a plane today. And I was like, oh my gosh, how has it been a year? But I'm originally from the West Coast. I grew up in LA. I lived there my whole life, went to college there. I actually studied in college storytelling for narrative platforms. So like I've always, I've always loved stories. I've always loved writing. I grew up as a dancer. That was like always my safe cathartic outlet. Which I feel like it's also kind of storytelling. It totally is. But I also just like, I even still, like, even though I'm not competitively dancing anymore, like I love dancing and like whatever, whatever environment I can. I love music. And obviously I love food, which is 
such a mode of expression for me as well, but it's definitely taken many years for it to like become that because food for me at one point was like the scariest thing in the world, which is kind of, I guess, how I can get into my little, how I, how I got to where I am. But I grew up, as I said, as a dancer and honestly, probably genetically just like predisposed by my personality and like just who I am. I'm a perfectionist. I'm always been hard on myself. Like my parents tell stories of me, like in preschool, like just staring around and like looking at people and analyzing the situation. And I think just then being in the dance environment where you're staring at yourself in front of a mirror every single day in a leotard from the age of seven and getting auditioned and, you know, going up levels and everyone's competing and I was like with all these girls who even though we're literally nine years old, like they're long and lean and I'm five, three at the point that I'm at now. When I was young, I was so super short, but I also like am athletically built and I wasn't, things didn't come as naturally to me as other ballerinas. And I think just one thing led to another and I just started to get really aggressive with (laughs) the way I treated my body. And I I've been trying to figure out like the origins of my eating disorder for so long, but I honestly just think it came, it wasn't even really about food. It was just this need to control something because it didn't seem like I could control much at the time. And it's so interesting because I remember like a doctor telling me that I had anorexia and I had never heard of that in my life when (laughs) I was 10 years old. So it wasn't because I had heard about it and wanted to be it. It was simply just the nature of the disease is that it can be brought on whenever. And I struggled with an eating disorder for many years. So food was never a comfort space to me in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it was just a scary thought because I think whenever there's this like anxious tendency towards food, it kind of controls your whole brain. And oh, yeah. it kind of takes over. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. I mean, looking back, it wasn't even it wasn't even food. Like I remember, you know, it was this obsessive compulsive feeling where it didn't matter if it was water, it didn't matter if it was food, it didn't matter if it was whatever it was. It was the need to control something right. and just be able to like fit into what I wanted to fit into and. Ultimately, I was hospitalized for a while, and that is honestly such a blur for me. I don't, I, I honestly don't remember much, but everything that came after was like just kind of survival mode, but right. the happiest, happiest childhood of all time. Yeah. So, like, even though I struggled for a while, like, I had like the best childhood ever, and the healing process just, you know, made me able to meet people and relate to people and kind of obviously have this crazy journey as everyone does in some way or another, whether it's food or other cards dealt. Absolutely. And first of all, like you were so brave for getting on here today and talking about that because I think there's so many women and men that struggle with eating disorders and 
is something that people don't feel super comfortable talking about all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think the more it's talked about, I think it actually helps those that are struggling because the things that you're expressing on here today, maybe there's someone that's struggling with that too and needs to hear, okay, this is what I've been struggling with or this is what I'm doing to my body and maybe it's time to get help or start that healing journey. I always say like, I who I want to be in my career is the person that I wish I had when I was struggling when I was young. And, you know, eating disorders are not, while they're textbook in the way that they can manifest based on our, you know, biology and even our, you know, ancestral trauma, they do not look the same for everyone. And I think that's a huge misconception. Like they're also, the diagnosis of specific eating disorders is so outdated. They can you know, change and evolve and shapeshift in so many different ways. And what could start as anorexia can turn into something completely different and something that you might not be able to detect from the physical eye as well. So a huge part of my eventual, you know, healing journey turned into also a physical healing journey because when you are restricting food and Food rules when it comes to eating disorders also, like they don't make sense. It's not driven by the logical brain. There's a lot of complexity there and like a lot of what I did and all of the things that brought my nervous system safety out of, you know, the nature of the disease are things that really harmed my physical health long term and was not necessarily causation. But I eventually was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, SIBO, every gut issue under the sun literally chronic disease and slew of hormonal issues, everything that comes with that. And just my body was a lot more vulnerable because of that, you know, way I treated myself. And I also love that you're referring to it as a disease because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people that maybe haven't experienced that before, or maybe just are a little blind to what it actually is. They just think, okay, like this person just doesn't want to eat because they want to be skinny, you know? And I think, whenever you conceptualize it as a disease and something that you've really, really struggled with Mm. for a long time, you know, it kind of puts things into perspective. Mm. And I think it's really important to note that that is a disease. No, 100%. I mean, anything that kind of takes over your physiology Mm. without your conscious mind choosing that, I mean, it's absolutely not a choice. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of similar to addiction in a way. That is so interesting you say that because a lot of my recent healing process and kind of like putting together the missing pieces of just my story has been understanding my addictive personality and Mm -hmm. how that has manifested in several ways throughout my life, whether it was food or food restriction or relationships or Adderall, like literally whatever it was there is definitely this like this wanting for the nervous system to feel safe yeah that is like the and in control absolutely so obviously to heal from that you do need to know the nervous system you need to know what's under the surface you need to know what these behaviors mean i've always said food is the way you treat your food is a metaphor for how you treat everything in your life and that just doesn't go for food, just food. It's for everything. The way you treat anything is the way you treat everything. Right. And I've shared this with you, but I lost two immediate family members to addiction. And there was so many times where they just wanted to stop and would 
bawl their eyes out to me and be super expressive about this need of needing to stop, but they just ultimately couldn't. And I think sometimes people don't understand like the struggle, that internal struggle that people really experience. And they don't understand like why they can't just like, you know, flip a switch and change overnight. And I think it takes a lot of healing and a lot of education and a lot of just like personal, just experience when it comes to it. So, And a lot of understanding that you will never understand what you don't go through. Right. Absolutely. I think bottom line, that is what keeps so many people from like getting the help that they deserve and like having it resonate is that the people that they seek help from really don't understand. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's a common pattern I've noticed as I've gotten into the wellness space that all of the people I look up to and relate to are people who have been through trials and tribulations themselves. And just because you struggle with something also doesn't mean that you won't, you know, that that you don't have the right to help other people with it. Right. Like, I think the interesting thing with eating disorders is that I almost think of them as an autoimmune disease where healing from them doesn't mean erasing them. Like they are always, always, always a part of who you are, but you can learn to build resiliency and they can live dormant inside of you and you have to learn your triggers. You know, it's not necessarily about erasing it and pushing it away and saying it doesn't exist anymore. Absolutely. It's interesting that you mention people that are within the health and wellness space. Typically, they've gone through some sort of traumatic life experience or had these trials and tribulations. And I remember whenever I was in therapy a few years ago, I was talking about health and wellness to my therapist. And she was like, well, Veronica, a lot of people get involved in this space because they've been through yeah. trauma. And that was the first time it kind of clicked for me. I was like, that makes a lot of sense because there is some sort of control aspect mm -hmm. to the space. Like if I can find like really cool workouts or if I can eat super healthy. And then I think sometimes that leads to a restriction lifestyle for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But I think I've met some of like the coolest people in this space because they all have such incredible stories and just so much strength and resilience. And I think it's super cool. Yeah. I mean, I think the best part about I can I can only really say New York because I honestly got into everything less than a year ago. I was in college before and I like hadn't even started, hadn't gone for it yet. But oh, me too, girl. Yeah, I, I was from the same what, way. I, <laughs> what I've learned so far and from who I've connected with, there's just this beauty of people who refuse to not feel well. And I think it's so, I was talking about this with a friend the other day. I like want to cancel the word wellness because it sounds like wellness is something that we have to change our lives in order mm -hmm. to attain to when really it's just like high frequency living. Right. Like all it really is, is just like living in vibrancy right. and like doing things with that, good energy, surrounding yourself with good energy, fueling yourself and like not just with food, but with relationships and, you know, activities and Things that genuinely bring you joy. My friend has this Snapchat mm -hmm. close friends group and she's like so fun. Like she loves to go out, party with her friends, but she's also a dietitian and mm -hmm. is just super into like the health space and nutrition. And I'll need to introduce you guys. Yeah. She's moving to New York. Oh my gosh, so. love. Um, anyway, she has a Snapchat close friends group called Wealth and Hellness. <laughs> 
And I love that term because I think it's just funny. It's like, I think it doesn't have to be this serious thing where you're putting yourself in this box. It can be kind of just like this fun experience and just enjoying your life. And again, surrounding yourself with like the energy that you want to be around. Like literally, um, wellness could look and I, I believe that wellness could look like going out and partying if that's what you're depriving yourself of and that's what your soul is needing and that's what is going to bring you the most life in the moment and that's what's going to make the best memories in the moment. Like, it doesn't have to look like, you know, this, like, rigid lifestyle. Like, if anything, I feel like that's not wellness. The second right. it's the second it's restrictive and the second it's feeling like you're doing it because you have to do it, it's no longer wellness. Right. Or you feel like you're missing out on certain life experiences. Oh my gosh. Absolutely not. Right. That's the other thing. I feel like when I got sick last year, and first of all, in college, I like definitely like partied a lot. And like, I was, you know, I, I, my body was a little bit more resilient because I think I was, my hormones were suppressed on birth control. I hadn't had my first like ulcerative colitis flare. I wasn't I was kind of like living ignorance is bliss and I was definitely still struggling with food, but I was doing the things that actually did bring me joy that I can wholeheartedly say. And then it was like, when I got sick, I couldn't do those things anymore, but I was like, I have to figure out how I can do them. So it's just about like finding that healthy balance. You can't like let go of the things that make you happy. Like I go to music festivals all the time. I go out all the time because I love to do that in balance with the things that my body needs from me. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I think it's so important to live your life to the standard that you want to live it. 100%. And I'm super interested. So whenever the doctor told you mm-hmm. at 10 years old that you were diagnosed with anorexia, I know you mentioned not really understanding what that was and being a little confused. What was that healing journey like starting then to now? Okay. Yeah. I mean— like I said, there's definitely this, I actually think it's like a survival energy, like defense mechanism where I've blocked out a lot of the hospitalization experience, but I was inpatient for that summer and that was going into sixth grade. And at that point, it was not really, there wasn't much room to go deep. It was really, let's get the body to where it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, like compromised. Right. Um, So at that point, it was about gaining weight. And that was definitely necessary. And I, um, after my body was in a place to where I could even like, you know, start digesting foods again, like I remember at first it was the kind of thing where like I was gaining weight quickly by eating just a little because I wasn't eating at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I immediately started sixth grade which is just a crazy time. I don't even remember it, but all I remember is that it's like boys and like- Puberty. Puberty, (laughs) literally puberty. Everyone's changing at their own rate. I was really lucky that I had the same friends for the most part as I did in elementary school, plus new friends. And the one thing that I will say is, I mean, I'm very grateful, grateful and there are definitely some things about the school that I went to, but school I went to was pretty good. They all knew. I mean, it was like a safe environment for someone who was healing from something like I was. Mm -hmm. And I know there was people years above me and I I had an amazing sixth grade teacher. I like honestly blacked out for that whole year. But I do remember that my sixth grade teacher was like so understanding of what I was going through. I, 
it was one of those things. I mean, I, I couldn't even swallow my own saliva. Like I thought that that was going to make me gain weight. Wow. So I had to have like a cup with me at all times. And I was like spitting in the cup in secret. I'm like not. I'm not laughing. I'm just like... Sometimes, like, like, that's the best yeah, coping mechanism. Yeah, I mean, totally. There was, like... I laugh I, at myself I, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my friends and I, we actually call that version of me, not the, like, version of me that was, like, really struggling with food, but the version of me that came after that, we call her her because <laughs> I'm just so disassociated from it. I and that's great. I think because sixth grade was, like, one of those years that I... I mean, I was also an outpatient. Like, I was, like, basically not in school sixth grade. And since seventh grade, I was like, I am back. Like, I'm going to glow up. And I kind of just, like, went for it. Like, full-on push-up. Like, <laughs> so much makeup. Like, I was... It was uh, one of those things where I think I mm, subconsciously wanted to catch up. And I was honestly, like, I was really happy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I... I like what you said about naming that version mm -hmm. of yourself. I one time read a book where basically this woman says that you should name all of these like parts of yourself that yeah, you don't really associate with or emotions or problems. And it kind of like makes it feel like a little less victim mindset, you know, because you're yeah. just like, okay, this happened and it's not really a part of me. It's just something that happened along the way. And I think that that's super cool that you guys do that. But yeah, going mean, back to what you said <laughs> earlier too about not wanting to say I have healed from mm -hmm. because it's something that's always going to just be a part of you in some way, shape or form. One time I had somebody tell me that we were talking about like therapy and healing and they said, you know, you're never going to fully get over something. Yeah. But maybe one day you'll look at the scar and you'll smile and you'll be appreciative that you went through this experience because there's going to be some silver lining to it. I, if there's one takeaway from that I want someone to hear when like hearing my story, it's that every single thing leading up until now has made me into a better version of myself than I would have ever wanted to be. Like, and I'm hoping that that, I can keep saying that every year of my life, but I think it's my superpower. Like, I truly think that every single thing that I've been through that has made me absolutely hate myself, hate my life, want to change in any way possible has eventually with time and healing and pain and bumps in the road, like, really contributed to what I can contribute to the world. Um, so I don't by any means want anyone to hear this and think that or feel bad or no, none of that. Like I, I wouldn't even be able to connect with the people that I connect with now and yeah. help them if I'm I like tearing up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but so seventh grade was that. Year. Oh yeah. I mean, I was just kind of like popping off. Like, yeah, I had my vomits, but I was like, I was like, <laughs> you're it a was, woman now. Yeah. I mean, but this is what's so crazy. I'll never forget. I mean, like all these teachers who like knew me as the girl that like would hide in the bathroom at lunch, like would now dress code me every single, now my, I was on an anti, I was on a really heavy dose of an antidepressant. And although I have mixed feelings, it definitely saved my life at the time in the sense that if I wasn't on it, 
that numbing probably would have made me relapse really quickly. It was too soon to not be on that. Right. I wasn't like large by any means, but I was like definitely not um, conscientious. I didn't really care about my body anymore, almost to an extreme extent. And honestly, the pain was so painful because I couldn't even feel it. I was so numb. And I had, I was getting dress coded like every day for now having boobs and like a butt. And, you know, my mom so gracefully would drive to me, drive to school every single day with like, when the principal called her with like a pack of my clothes, like that I could change into. And my mom, she never told me that I was doing anything wrong because I wasn't. Um, I'm so grateful that I had the support from my family and my friends. And honestly, one of those things were in the moment, I was just frustrated and rebellious. But looking back, I'm so angry at the way that <laughs> that showed up in my like academic life and how mm. there was just like, oh, it was so gross the way that like the whole dress coding system and making girls feel bad about their body. And that was more impactful for me because my body had just undergone so many changes and yeah. I had survived a near-death experience. And now I was being like ridiculed for having like for not caring about the way I was dressing. Granted, I was literally just wearing leggings, like right. Lululemon leggings and a shirt that maybe showed a tiny bit of cleavage, but I was also 12. So <laughs> it's really crazy that you're mentioning this because I was having a conversation with a friend about mm -hmm. this literally yesterday. And the high school that we went to, great experience. I have so many blessings that came from that. And I think it built me into the person that I am today. But we were talking about how it really wasn't even that long ago, but systemically, I think things have changed so much and I hope that they have. But dress code was also like a huge issue for us. Like if your skirt was not like a certain length, even if it was like not, I'm sure that there was like a length that was like probably Come not great. On. But These are kids. Exactly. That is so inappropriate. But I would remember like the boys running around school and not like a man hater. Yeah. Like, I remember like the boys running around school just acting like complete imbeciles, getting some, themselves into trouble. And they would just get like a slap on the wrist and that was it. But I remember we downloaded Fifty Shades of Grey onto our iPads and every single girl from the school got pulled into a room and just berated. Oh <laughs> and I'm God. like, these boys are like literally running around like it's such a double people standard. in the it's face, crazy. punching guys. Like <laughs> they're not yeah. getting in trouble at all. It's so, such a double standard. There was a little bit of a double standard and I hope that it's changed. I mean, I, we could do an entire episode about... <laughs> Dress code, double standard in high school, middle school. I have, I could go on and on and on about that. Yeah. Truly forever. But well, it's like weirdly traumatizing because those are your formative years. Oh, I definitely carry a lot of now released. I guess I had a lot of anger and suppressed anger. And I think it's really interesting because anger has been something that's shown up for me a lot recently. I come from a family of like the kindest people on the entire planet. My parents are like, Truly, the, I, I, I think of them as, like, the kindest people in the world. And same with my sister. And they're all just, like, I think I think there was this, like, looking at them and, you know, my situation. And just, I never really learned how to experience anger. And not that anyone ever told me not to. But I think I kind of created this own narrative. And anger actually stores itself in the stomach. So... It, there is definitely this link to digestive issues, repressed anger. I had a lot of anger from the way that I was treated by 
people in my middle school and teachers and myself, the way I treated myself and the way I kept it going. And I was just like, when I say rebellious, I mean, like, they told me to change. I mean, I would go to school with shorter shorts. It really was one of those things where I was just like, let me one up you because you are not going to like, like <laughs> you are yeah, you are not going to win this. <laughs> you are not going to win this. I like, I didn't even know I had that side of me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So middle school was definitely a blur, but it was so fun. I have the best friends in the world who are still my best friends to this day. Same. So they know that version of me well, which is, I mean, is that not the most special thing in the world? I was talking about this on a podcast that I did solo yesterday and I did like 27 things that are helping me to stay grounded that I would tell anybody in their 20s. And one of them was surrounding myself with like my core friends, just people that have known me forever. They know you like the back of your hand. You don't have to explain yourself to them. I'm like, how do you not like think I'm like a crazy person after you've known me at that time? (laughs) Like, (laughs) They've seen me change into a completely different person, but they still stick around. They still stick around. And like, we're not that different. That's right. the thing that I always try to remember is like who I am as a person, my values like have never changed. Right. Just my presentation of what I'm going through life has changed. As it does throughout Different life. chapters, phases of life. Of course. After middle school, <laughs> ninth grade was kind of just like also kind of a rogue year for me. I like don't remember it much. I was also going through a lot with my appearance. I was, I like postponed my puberty because I was so sick and I was kind of like going through puberty still, like towards eighth grade at the beginning of ninth and everything about (laughs) my body changed again. And then I kind of started to like not take my antidepressants because I just was like, let's try something new but it wasn't it wasn't one of those things where I was like sneakishly do, not taking them I was just kind of starting weaning to get off. weaning myself off without a doctor never do that ever that was like one of two times I had to learn the lesson the wrong way and I was definitely going through some depressive moments and summer going into to, uh, sophomore year sophomore year after freshman year and it's weird because I'm I feel like I'm in my sophomore year of New York and I had the same thing oh, happen to that. me my sophomore year of college sophomore year is always the year I have this like big transition but like internal glow up something happened to me sophomore year where I was just like nope enough of that I don't want to hate myself like yeah. I kind of want to feel good in my body I kind of want to at least try And though I couldn't really accomplish it yet with food, I tried to in every other capacity that I could. I like started dancing on a new team and I just kind of started to make more just conscious decisions for like my happiness. And I think it ripple affected. I had a relationship, which honestly was amazing also for like the way that I started to look at my body. I think that that's always like your first love is always like pretty transformative in that way. And I started to do better. I mean, I went through little moments and little relapses. I I never really had a overtly bad relapse, but the internal world is, you never know what someone's going through, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I, I definitely was struggling with food, with restricting, but it felt peaceful. I always say like, it was, it was a line I wrote in like a piece I wrote in college, but like this uncomfortable mess is all I know. Like, and it feels 
good. Like it was this whole uncomfortable mess, but oh, sorry, comfortable mess, not uncomfortable mm-hmm. mess, comfortable mess. Um, That's really beautiful. Yeah, it was a total comfort, un- total comfortable mess. Yeah, Is no, this like I a poem or like a no, story? no, it was. So I I did poetry okay. in college, so we have that in common. Love. I was a creative I love writing poetry. major. Okay, my major was like in the creative writing department. And it's I think the best. Story, I think storytelling that's so cool, and I think it's great that you were able to express your story through your writing and have that. I always outlet. had that. I I always I think anyone can write though. Like I always tell like my clients and anyone to start journals in different moments of their time to always have different journals for different things because they'll always be there for you and no one else has to read them and you can be honest in them you can learn so much about yourself and I I actually would do a lot of fiction writing when I was in my like big writing moment but weirdly enough a lot of the fiction that I wrote was like a mirror into like my internal world like I think Mm -hmm. we always like resonate with characters that like mimic us and our behavior. So I think I've learned a lot through my own writing about uh-huh. not even myself. So in college, mm-hmm. do you feel like that was kind of something that you used as an outlet to help you through this process? I do. I mean, I've always like, I've always loved both reading and writing as like a form of escapism. And I just, I like learning, like I'm very mm-hmm. stimulated by n- learning, but I think it's funny because I was struggling so much. I never really identified my passion as health and healing and food. Like a passion about food for all I was off limits. Like absolutely not. If anything, like my two of my best friends in college were like really good cooks. And I lived in a house with them for a couple of years. And they were the ones that did the food. If I I, I could not step foot into the kitchen. I think I turned on the stove like (laughs) <laughs> a series of like maybe five times it can be from intimidating within five years. Oh yeah. I mean, and it was one of those things where just the, it was so, I talk a lot about this actually on my, on my social media account, but kitchen anxiety. I mean, it was one of those things where I was like, where do I start? What do I do? Being in here is overwhelming. And I think my way of coping with the fact that I knew I loved health and wellness, but I was struggling so much was beauty and skincare. And that was like my first wellness love, honestly. And I think it also came from dance and it came from the fact that I just had this attachment to makeup since I was even in middle school and being told to that I, my face was orange, you know, it's like, (laughs) I loved what I was doing and it was a form of expression for me. Right. That's what I always say. Right. Um, I I love makeup. I I love makeup and yeah, whenever I was going through my breakup, I always talk about this, but I kind of made a pledge to myself to just get in front of the mirror and practice makeup. Yeah. I think because I just wanted to look presentable. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was so fulfilling. I, I had a lot of it fun with it. It is. made me like fall in love with it because I think for a while I just looked at it as this chore mm-hmm. or this thing that I had to do. And don't get me wrong, I love going makeup free. There are days where that is actually what makes me feel more confident. Absolutely. But yeah, I think that whole process is just, it, you can make it fun. Totally. I mean, I... It's so funny you even say that. Like, I went from being the girl. I don't think my ex-boyfriend, the whole, like, first two years of us being together, I don't even think he ever saw me really without makeup, like, Mm -hmm. until, like, I had to take it off at night. Like, I was the girl that wouldn't be caught dead without wearing makeup. And I didn't even wear that much. I just, like, really didn't like the way I looked and felt like I, I liked that mask. And I think something that I've worked through, and in college, I kind of stopped wearing makeup now I post on social media without wearing makeup all the time. And it's this weird, like, 
transformative or not transformative. It's just this full circle thing to look at Absolutely. that like now I kind of feel more comfortable without makeup, but then almost to an extreme where then I put on makeup and I'm like, this is a form of self-respect. Like I just spent so much quality time with myself, understanding my face, getting excited for the place that I'm going. There's so much intention behind it. And I'm kind of now like even like putting on a little bit of makeup today. Like I was like, this is so fun. And your skin is glowing, oh, by the way. Thank you. That actually means a lot because routine. I, this, my, oh my God, it's changed so much. My skincare routine has changed so much. This is the year that I experienced acne for the first time in my life. Wow. I, was I went that, through adult acne. Oh yeah. It's, it is hard. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I think I've been through a lot of things with my health. Acne was one of the hardest. Absolutely. Yeah. Is. I mean, I still, I still struggle. I feel like I'm finally coming around, coming to a turning point, but the going off birth control unprepared. And I think acne is hard when you also never had acne before. Right. Like I never had that, you know, pimple in middle school or high school. I thought I loved skincare because my skin was perfect. Mm -hmm. So I could do whatever I wanted and it would work. I actually had a skincare line that I made in college called Honey Butter Wellness. Oh my gosh, bring right, back. <laughs> Wait, that is such a cute name. Um, it was fun. It was really cute. The whole in concept over COVID was um, environmental aggressors, like from masks and blue light. And I made this like blue light butter, which was a cream that like has this algae that can deflect blue light. But wait, I want this. <laughs> it, it was it was a cool concept, but um, it my preferences have changed with skincare and ingredients right. now. And I kind of live the non-toxic skin yeah. lifestyle. So not to say it was toxic, but my standards are higher now. And I hope to revisit that one day, but I had to put that away for a little bit. Um, was your acne more hormonal? It's so, in, I think both. I mean, mm -hmm. I know both. My acne was definitely very hormonal. I was not prepared to go off birth control when I did. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have the support. That's also a huge passion of mine. And I'm excited to share my whole skincare journey on social media because it's been kind of wild. And then there's a lot of misconceptions about what to do when your skin is breaking out. And I destroyed my skin barrier. I went in on the exfoliants. I went in on the facials. I went in on the expensive medical grade skincare and retinol. And truly, my skin got so vulnerable and so stripped of all of its microbiome and natural oils that it was overproducing oil on top of the hormonal imbalances I was going through. And it was a lot of what I thought was acne was actually irritation. So, and I would feed the irritation by using more chemical exfoliants. And mm -hmm. there was just a lot of aggression that went into my skin when it was really, really struggling. And now I'm in my very simple Korean skincare era yes. slash just like really clean, non-comedogenic facial oil era. I think the simpler, the better. <laughs> the simpler. I use a cleanser. I use a serum. You have gorgeous skin. Oh, thanks. Like thank you. very beautiful skin. Thank you. But I, I think the simple the better. I think yeah. we've all I've learned the hard way. As women, men have dealt with skin issues at some point in time. And I think whenever you're able to overcome that, it's such a freeing, powerful feeling. Oh my God. Yeah. And you know, I think Obviously, I've gone through very similar situations where I had like 10-step skincare routine and I thought that that was working for me at the time. And then 
I've gone the non-toxic route and now I use like three products. And I find that the skincare industry pushes so much on us and says that we need all of these different things. We need these systems. And in reality, I think just keeping it really small, Mm -hmm. attainable, and just short, to be be honest, is so, so essential. Because again, our skin doesn't need to be clogged. We don't need to like harm our skin barrier. We don't need to use all these chemicals. And it's just not natural. I mean, you're preaching to the choir, but what I will say yeah. is that my personality type, like I'm someone, I'm a researcher. I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a test bunny. Like I truly think one of the reasons I've also been through so much with my health is because part of my spirit or soul was curious about experiencing it maybe yeah. to an extent. Like not to say that is why, but I I mean, I'm the type of person I get a pimple and then I'm going to try like I want to try every way and figure out why. And sometimes the less you know, the better in terms of expediting the healing process. I mean, knowledge is absolutely power. I think I actually kind of take that back. There's a fine line, but thinking about something too much will only cause stress. Exactly. Eventually inflammation. And the way I thought about my skin this year, I thought way too much. Right. Like, really overcomplicated everything for myself. There was a time where I remember I would get a pimple somewhere and I would look up the exact reasoning as to why I got like a pimple in this one area. Oh my God. And it would give me just a long list of things that were wrong with me. Totally. I I also think there's like such a healing modality with your skin with food. And I know that's something you talk about a lot and hormones in general and like the difference between men and women and our hormone cycles. And I'd love for you to just like get into that because I think it's so interesting. Yeah. Oh my God. This is like a whole, so much to talk (laughs) about with you. I know. Um, It's so funny you even say that. I was thinking the other night because I had an experience with my hormones and I apologized on the behalf of being so hormonal. And then I thought about it and I was like, that is so funny that I just apologize for being hormonal when I am hormonal. I'm a hormonal being. Women are hormonal beings. We literally operate on a, I don't even want to say 28-day cycle because my cycle is not 28 days. Mine's still pretty regular. A lot of women's are longer or shorter, whatever. We operate roughly 28 to 32 days. Our hormones are changing every single day, drastically to the point where if you separate the cycle in kind of like two halves and even to get more specific like quadrants, there are some really significant changes that happen there. And I think it's just so ironic that, you know, one, we're not given enough understanding about our hormones to do the things that create that balance and a little bit more of neutrality with our hormones. But then not not to put men in a box or anything, but a lot of people that don't have a uterus (laughs) (laughs) won't take the time to learn about hormones so that women stay kind of isolated as these like hormonal people. And then the other step is that I just feel like a lot of people in the medical system don't take that into account as well to explore and explain like why we may be going through things, you know, like in general, emotionally, physically, like Yes, we are hormonal. I, yeah. <laughs> I I will embrace it, but there are ways to kind of keep it a little bit more at bay and not have it. The second anything's disturbing your life is when. So I recently found out, and I feel like this is so like not super intellectual that I didn't know this, <laughs> but 
I didn't know that the moon had a very significant impact on our cycles. Yeah. So <laughs> this is so TMI. But no, wait, go. <laughs> so the recent full moon right after Christmas or right before Christmas, I don't remember when, but I think it was right before, no, mm. it was right after Christmas. Sorry. My family member texted me. She's like super into Zodiacs and the moon and all of that. And she was like, did you start your period today? And I was like, yeah, why? And she she was like, so. You're a witch. You're a witch. <laughs> I was like, she's like, you're a red witch. And I'm like, um, what does that mean? So she like sent me all these videos and I was cracking up laughing. I was like, this is actually the coolest thing I've ever seen because yeah. there's so much insight into like well, the white the red witch. Yeah. The origin is when, you know, we weren't, we weren't in society yet, so to speak. We were living out in nature mm-hmm. and our circadian rhythm really is what regulates our hormones. Our right. melatonin and our cortisol kind of operate on this axis and women would use moonlight as a way to kind of regulate their circadian rhythm and the moon has oops <laughs> like 28 I think it's 28 day cycle and women every during the full moon all of that light kind of like put them all into a similar rhythm hormonally so they would all get their period kind of synchron like synchronized and so they say and, and you know the moon the energy that surrounds the full moon women being on their period their, their hormones being at that space our heart centers being very open like it's very intuitive and connecting time so they were said to be witchy if you're and they say like if you get your period on the half moon um it signifies like a need to look inward versus oh. if you get it on the full moon you're in the point in your life where you're supposed to like you're in like an outward moment you're in a you're open to giving as opposed to receiving that's what they say interesting yeah yeah I thought that was like so funny I I loved it it is funny I mean like you know because then I got so into it and I just couldn't stop researching and it was just so cool I love a little rabbit hole absolutely (laughs) so I have a question Obviously, this podcast is called Martinis and Bikinis, Uh and I think it's kind of this weird connotation because people just expect, oh, we're going to talk about how to stay fit and all that stuff. But I'd love to get your perspective now on body image and what that means to you and how you feel the most confident. I love that question. Yeah. I feel the most confident when... I feel the most confident when I am able to connect, not just Mm -hmm. with other people, but with myself, when I can make sense of things, when things seem to flow. I feel like rigidity is like how I feel the least confident. Sometimes it's really telling and I think it can give us a lot of signs about what's working and what's not. But I feel really confident when I feel like things are flowing, even if nothing's really happening. I also feel really confident when I'm laughing. I think laughter truly is the best medicine. I feel confident when I'm either around people that are funny or when things are happening that are funny. And it just kind of shows me that life isn't like that serious. Mm -hmm. Like you can kind of just like make everything fun. I also feel really confident when it's like around like 
people that I love to be around. I love that. Yeah. Like I I don't energy. Totally. Like I don't really feel like confidence for me is as physical as it feels sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I, I definitely feel confident when I'm healthy. I think health is literally so cheesy health as well, but like it really is like, especially when you haven't had your health before you realize that it's kind of the undercurrent of everything. And I feel really confident when I know I'm doing everything I can. Right. I think that's been a huge thing for me recently. I used to feel angry that I felt like I had to do more than other people in order to stay healthy. But I realize now that that's just a form of self-respect. And again, everyone has their card dealt in some way or another. If I struggle with my health, like I'm going to flourish in other areas, whereas someone, you know, might need then me to help them with their health. So I think knowing I'm doing everything I can to support myself makes me confident. Absolutely. And just from the stories that I've heard of your coaching and the people that you have been through these health journeys with alongside them, I think it's super empowering and it just shows the type of person that you are because I think you're a very resilient person and you're also a very generous person and you're able to like share that wealth with people, which I think is like just so phenomenal. Thank you so much for saying that. I mean, it's just, it is one of those things where you don't even realize how much you're like as a client helping the coach too. Like, I mean, I've, I've worked with, I've worked with therapists. I've worked with doctors and health coaches my whole life, basically to help myself. And now I can understand that like, maybe I made their journey better because everyone that I've worked with has made me better understand myself. And yeah. Yeah. Same goes. I have one last question for you, but I already know I want to have you back on. Because, <laughs> Anytime. So, so fun. Me in LA, we went to the well recently, which is like a wellness retreat basically here in yeah. New York. And we did the sauna and we rubbed aloe all over our face. We used all their non-toxic so products. Good. We had lunch at their cafe. And we obviously had like the deepest talk ever because I feel like that's just how we function. And I feel like you have like some really cool just ideas for people to kind of embrace their health and different modalities to it. And I'd love to have you back on to talk more about like food and yeah. like that space. We did, I can't believe we didn't even go into that. We just, we got deep there, today. Yeah, we did. We did. We got deep today, but we're going to do a little fun episode for sure. Hopefully Absolutely. in the future, if you want to come back on, anytime, I'd love to have you. Anytime. But if you were to drink mm-hmm. a martini mm-hmm. in a bikini, oh, where would you be and what would you be drinking? It doesn't have to be alcoholic either. I mean, (laughs) it would probably be, it would probably be like a really dirty martini. (laughs) And I think I would be somewhere really sunny Mm -hmm. where the water, like there's like really clear water. And I would be with my family and all my best friends. And there would be a lot of music and dancing. I love it. It's like a very, like that kind of sounds like, a Miami moment, but it's not. It's like a, it's like a calmer version of that. I love that. Yeah, I, I would like to be there. Yeah, <laughs> swimming in the ocean with my martini 100%. alongside you. Or I would say, sorry, one more. Oh, I no. would say complete opposite. I would say skiing. Yeah, an opera ski moment yeah. or actually skiing. No, not actually skiing. <laughs> Definitely not. I'm very clumsy. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I am too. I am too. I feel that, but I love to snowboard so I'll have to get out on the mountain at some point 100% you can come with me you can hang out at the hotel (laughs) hang out in the lobby drink your martini but anyway 
It was so lovely having you on. And I would love for you to share with the audience where they can be friends with you, how they can hang out, be where you on socials, me. your coaching, anything that's coming up, whatever you'd like. Okay. Well, social wise, I am on Instagram mostly. That's kind of where I'm the most active these days. I'm hoping to get more active on TikTok. There's just like this thing. I can't figure out what it is, but like I can't seem to get myself to <laughs> make more content on TikTok. But Instagram is eats with Ale, one E. TikTok is eats with Ale with two E's because someone stole <laughs> eats with Ale with so one E. Rude. Like what? <laughs> um, and then the coaching program will be out pretty soon. It's gonna be to start the gist is healing through food while also healing your relationship with food. Yeah. And just, yeah, reach out to me on social media. I'll always respond. Cute. If you need anything. I'd love to have you on again. I know I've just said that. Anytime. Talk about that. I think we need to talk about dating and like, yeah, we, we have, have, we so have a much. huge talk about that in the sauna <laughs> the other week. And I feel like there's just so much that we, yeah, we could literally talk for hours. I but. know. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure. And I'm just honored to have somebody as incredibly cool as you are to Aww. come on the show. You're and such a great host. It's like, really? you're, yeah, it's like <laughs> rare to be like that good at guiding conversations. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is such a compliment. That just made my yeah. day. Thank you. Of course. That's so sweet. Well, anywho, if you enjoyed <laughs> this episode, please feel free to like, rate, and subscribe and follow LA to stay up to date with everything she's doing. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Cute. Cute. That was adorable. Think of what you can do to just slow down your heart rate, make yourself feel a little better, going on a walk, meditating, Pilates class. You're manifesting. You're setting yourself up to start that journey of whatever you're manifesting.